Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's good to be with you. Uh, how many people are excited to be here tonight? Anybody in the house? I can't see you, uh, so this is going to really work well. And we have a table coming up with a big E. How many people had a good day at school today? Yeah? I heard somebody say, yeah, like uh, like a gangster. And so I appreciate gangsters. Uh, I say it like really like a white person, though. So you heard it, gangsters. Uh, and so and like you, if, you were, if you weren't, you would say gangsters. But I, if, you know, if you're white, you say gangsters. And so, uh, and so I'm white. Uh, I adopted four kids from the Philippines uh, who are not white. They are Asian. I have one in the back, and I just want to embarrass him, so he's in the back by my sister. Just wave your hand, baby. Say, tell him how much you love your mom. He's right there. His name is Carlo, and so uh, he's my second. He's my second born, uh, not of my womb, and so, uh, hallelujah, and so here we are tonight. How many people like to take tests? Anybody likes to take a test? Amen. So we're just going to take a simple test because I said, you know, I'm speaking to young people, and I just know young people like to take tests, and, and so we're just, it's going to be very, very simple how we're going to rock this, so here's what you need to do. If you would say yes, raise your hand, okay, so the answer, yeah, good, okay, one person got that, and if you would say uh, no, just sort of keep your hand down, simple, right, no problems. How many people would say tonight that you are rich? Just raise your hand, you say, I'm rich, yep, I am. Okay, now, if you're dating, these are the good people to know in the crowd, so you can have somebody that can pay for your meal, so keep your hand, keep your hand raised, girl. Keep it up. Okay, so we got some, just look around, everybody. Look around. Okay, so you're, so you just pay attention. Just pay attention. Okay, why you put your hand down? She still has it up. She is rich. Okay, so here's some questions. How many other people are rich in the house? Okay, so you're not ashamed. You are rich. Okay, we got a couple more hands out that way. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to just look at some slides, and we're going to decide, are you, she's still raising her hand. She's like, I'm really rich. You can put it down. You can put it down. Okay. So she's like, I'm just going to do whatever you say. And so thank you. I appreciate that. And so tonight we're going to look at some slides and say, you know, let's, let's look at this and, and determine if we're really rich as compared to other people in the world. Because if you're going to take a test, you want to know how you measure against everybody else in the world. And so we're just going to be real simple with this. Here's our first slide uh, this evening. America is 6% of the world population. Uh, we, we own 6% uh, as far as people. However, America consumes 40% of the resources of the entire planet. So raise your hand because you're now rich. So everybody just sort of lift your hand. You're like, yeah, that's me. I'm an American. You live in America. Thank you. She's appreciating. You are now rich with me. This one is another slide. How many people drove up to Elevate tonight or came in a car? You came in a car? Thank you. Just If that's a yes, just raise your hand. That's me. All right. So you're rich. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm rich. Because only, here's the next slide, only 8% of people even have a car or their family has a car or anything like that. Okay. Here's our next one. Uh, 1.1 billion, billion with a B, people don't have clean water. How many people drink clean water sometime today? Uh, raise your hand and say, I'm rich. 
Turn your neighbor and say, I'm rich, I'm, I'm rich, yeah, I'm rich, we got this, I'm rich. So, so you, you're sort of getting a picture. If you ate food today, raise your hand. Anybody ate something? A mint counts? You got that? Check out this next slide. 800 million people didn't eat a single piece of food today. So turn to your neighbor and say, you know, this is starting to hit home. I'm rich. Just turn and say, I'm rich. Here's the next staggering figure. 50% of people, how many people have more than $2 on them? Right now, you have more than $2, $2.50 in your wallet, in your savings account. Raise your hand. Raise your hand nice and high. You got it? Okay, he's even showing me the money. Uh, if you have more than $2.50 that you made per day or your family makes per day, ladies and gentlemen, you are rich. Now here it gets a little bit more serious. There were 22,000 children that died today. Not because of a wreck, not because of a disease, they died because they're poor, 22,000 people. There are 2.2 billion children in the world, and 1 billion of them, with a B, with a capital B, 1 billion of them live in abjunct poverty, less than $2 a day for them and their family. Today, there are one in five children, one in five who have no access to drinking water, absolutely no water in their town, their community, and their village. And today, the name of my sermon is You're Rich, because every single one of you in this building tonight raised your hand because you drove or rode in a car, or you had clean water, or you ate some good food, and I'm not against you because I'm in the same place because I stand before you as a believer in Jesus, but I'm going to also say that I am a rich American. And my question for you tonight, young people, is this one question. If you're rich, what are you going to do about it? If you have your Bible tonight, we're going to turn to the book of Luke. You have been studying Luke. Hopefully you have your Bible. If not, it's right up on the screen. We're going to look at Luke chapter 10 and verse 30 through 37. If you're there, say amen. If you're there, if you're not there, take some notes. I have a couple of notes that are just going to come at you really quick. So here we're looking at the scripture and if you are a rich person and you are because you have two dollars up in your pocket. So if you're that kind of person tonight, this story is for you. And Jesus talks to people in the form of parables. They're called stories. And these stories are a way that we're to live life. And Jesus oftentimes, he would call out people and say, this is how how you're supposed to live. This is what you're supposed to do. And so look at it in verse 25. It says this, and behold, a lawyer. Now, I don't know if your mom or dad's a lawyer, but they sort of, you know, get creep me out a little bit. Uh, if Probably your mom and dad's a lawyer because you're rich. And so here we go. And behold, a lawyer. And amen. I'm sorry. And so here we go. And behold, a lawyer stood up and they put him to the test. And they were putting Jesus to this test. And they said, teacher, teacher. 
What shall I do to have eternal life? And he said to them, well, what is written in the law? So he goes back to the Old Testament. Jesus does. He says, how do you read it? In verse 27, it answers, you shall love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And now stop right there. This was common. This was what you were supposed to do. If you were a believer in the Old Testament, this would have been written on your arm. You would have had it tattooed somewhere on your body. Maybe. And so here's the, you're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is how you were supposed to live. We would say as Christians in Elevate this evening that we would know to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. But Jesus doesn't stop right there. He continues, and this is what he says. He says, and he says, with all your mind, all your strength, all your heart, all your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to them, Jesus did, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. So we know the first part of the law is to love God. And the second part of the law was to love our neighbor as we love your ourselves. And so he continues, Jesus does, but he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And so Jesus replies in a story. So a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed. They left him half dead. In verse 31, it says, now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, it realized who this was. A priest was someone that was a believer in the Lord. Someone that had just got out of an elevation, uh, an elevate kind of worship service. And because they were so holy and because they had lifted their hands before God, they couldn't get stained by this trash that was on the piece of a role that might have been a human but it didn't matter because I'm just so holy and I just know the Lord and so here's what the priest did it says this it says now by chance in verse 31 a priest was going down that road and when he saw him he passed by on the other side some of you in the room are passing by on the other side of people that are hurting and lost and dying. In verse 32, it says, so likewise, a Levite, also a known holy person of the Bible. It says, when he came to the place and he saw this guy that was half dead, it says he passed by too on the other side. In verse 33, it says, but a Samaritan. Everybody say, but a Samaritan. It says this. <clears throat> As he journeyed, he came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He went to him. He bound up his wounds. He poured oil and he poured wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you. And when I come back, he says, which of these three, Jesus says, do you think proved to be a neighbor to a man who fell upon the robber? He said, the one, and they said, the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to 
him. Can you read this part with me? You go and do likewise. Can we read that one more time? Say, you go and do likewise. And so here we have a story of a, of a man who is rich because lawyers are rich. If you have a father or mom that's rich, amen, I'm happy for you. Jesus was talking to us. He was talking to our kind of people and he was showing a story. And here's the three things that I notice about the good Samaritan. I notice these things is that Jesus is talking to a people group like us that say that we love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. And I want to tell you to this evening, that's a good thing, that you love the Lord your God. But Jesus says, not stopping there, you are to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so we see in the story that the Samaritan, who the man who was despised by the Jews and detested by the Jews, that he was having a, a personal experience with the Lord and the fact that he was loving his neighbor. The Samaritan had learned to honor all men. He knew that the poor man needed help and he said, I am going to be the person that does it. I'm going to love my neighbor. So what are three things that we sort of see in the story of the Samaritan? Number one, if you're writing notes this evening, write this, you are gonna have to stray. Everybody say stray. Now you're gonna have to stray and you say, Tara, what does that mean? Like, I wanna love my neighbor. I don't know how to do that. Here's the, the number one thing that you're gonna have to do. You are going to have to stray. Notice in the scripture is that the, the good Samaritan, that he went and he had to go up to the man that was crippled and beat down. He didn't stay on his side of the road. Instead, he went to the other side and said, hey, let me help you. How can I be a blessing to you? Now, this is interesting because we have a lot of people that like hanging out with people that look like themselves. You just raise your hand if that's you. You sort of feel comfortable there, right? Like this is why white people, I can say this because I'm from the hood and I sort of have a mixed church. So I can say whatever I want to. I feel like this is why white people will hang out with white people because they feel comfortable there, you know? Like you sing three soul songs and it's good and you're like, yeah, and all your people are white. I'm just saying. And so here's what happens. Now you're talking about yourself and you can write that note down. It's okay because I'm coming for you, white people. And so I'm just saying. You know, Hispanics will hang out with Hispanics. And sorry to the Hispanic person in the room, the one. And so, and so. And then and then and then black people will hang. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. You're, I know you're, this is like blowing you for a curve. Here's what happens. The rich hang out with the rich and the poor hang out with the poor. And I get to hang out with a lot of poor. And I, and I notice that they never have a chance to hang out with the rich because the rich are exclusive. And, and the problem is, is that Jesus was never exclusive. He never just hang out with white people because they're boring. And he, and he never just hang out with, I'm just saying, and so he never just hang out with a certain group or a certain kind. Here's what Jesus does. He finds all races. 
places of all kinds. And he says this, let me stray. Let me stray. Let me get to a place where I can hang out with that person that nobody's talking to in the lunch line at school. Let me hang out with the person that everybody else is Snapchatting about. Let me hang out with this person. Jesus says, let me love my neighbor. You are going to have to stray. You're going to have to say, God, I truly want to love my neighbor. I, I want this to work, God. I, I, how, how can you help me in this area? To, I know I'm rich. What am I going to do about it? You have to stray. You have to start looking at the hurt in your school. You have to start looking for the person that's depressed and discouraged. I, I sat down and ate lunch about two weeks ago with the cheerleader captain of our school. I'm old, so we're not even going there. I'm sitting there, and she said, Tara, you never knew all the hurt and the pain because why? I grew up in a Christian family with a Christian mom and dad and a Christian sister and a Christian brother. And I'm just going to say I had a good life and I didn't understand what it was to have divorce ripped through your family or an addiction ripped through your family because I lived the good life. And here I am 25 years later looking her in the face and saying, I'm sorry that I never asked those questions because weekend after weekend, she would find a house to live in just so that she could get get away from an addicted dad. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm sorry that I never strayed. I'm sorry that I was so consumed in myself about me, about being popular, that I never took a walk and said, I'm going to stray. And I don't care if it makes me less. I don't care if nobody likes me because I'm choosing you. I choose you because God said to love your neighbor. So you're going to stray and you're going to walk where nobody else is going to walk. But he doesn't stay there. See, the good Samaritan doesn't just stray, he slays. Now, thank you. That's just my gangster coming out. Number point number two, he doesn't just stray, he slays like Beyonce. And so here we are. I'm preaching, I know, I know. Second point. You have to slay this. Now, for those of you that are not as urban as you might wish that you could be, I actually got a definition so that you can understand what it is that I'm talking about to slay. Check up on the screen. It's an act of doing something with great skill. It's doing it extremely well to be one of the greatest in that particular area. For example, you are slaying it. You understand I'm talking to the right group of people. So sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you're going to have to do stuff with great skill. Look at verse 35, the good Samaritan. He doesn't just say, let me fix your clothes for you and give me a pair of used clothes that I've already used because that sort of stinks. He doesn't just say, let me just take care of you a little bit. Here's what he, he's like excessive. He's like, look at this. And he says, and the next day he took out two denarii. That's like a bunch of money. And he gave it to the innkeeper and he said, take care of him. And whatever else you need to spend, I will repay you when it's coming back. When I'm coming back, I'm going to repay you whatever the bill is, whatever the tab is. So here he strays and he sees the man 
mind that's beaten and broken, but he doesn't just stray. He slays and says, whatever you need, whatever it takes, if I've got to sit with you and the cafeteria for five months, I'm there because that's how I love my neighbor. One day this woman calls me up. I work at a Hope Community and Hope Extreme, and I don't know what else I do. And so she calls me up on the phone. She says, Tara, the Holy Spirit talked to me. And I was like, yeah, that's awesome. And she says, she, he, she, he just talked to me, and he wants me to bless you and your ministry with a gift. And I was just like, wow. I mean, that's, that's awesome. And so she said, I just can't wait to come give it to you. And I'm just thinking, hmm. And so I can't wait. She walks through the door. And I don't know if I, you know, it was just crazy. She walked in with some, uh, some uh, undergarments, you know, uh, from J.C. Penney's of the granny variety. And she just said, um, yeah, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but she walks in and I'm just like, are you serious? Because that's not the same Holy Spirit that I was talking to. Because I was thinking you were coming with a check to bless our ministry. And she's coming with like some stuff from somewhere that I don't know exactly where it's been. And she said, aren't you glad the Holy Spirit's so good? And I said, yes, ma'am. And then I just take it right after and I just honestly just go throw it right in the trash. Because you don't know. You don't know those kind of things. And so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking that's not slaying it. That's not slaying it. It's saying, hey, wouldn't it be awesome if the lighthouse for Christmas, like, slayed it? You know what I'm talking about? Like, they, they just said, hey, I'm going to give, like, a, two goats and a chicken and a, and a water well in, in Africa. And I'm going to do these things for the, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to do these big things for the gospel. I'm not going to make it small. I'm just going to make it be as big and as excessive. Like, maybe you could bless a bunch of kids living right here in Homa, or maybe you can say, I can help some kind of way. I don't know what it is that you have in your disposal, but here's what you do. You stray, and then you slay, and then this is point number three. You're going to have to stay. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road, if you would. You're going to have to stay. Everybody say stay. It says this in verse 35. It says, the next day he took two denarii and he gave it to the innkeeper. He said, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. This, my friends, is staying. See, staying is not that I've been emotionally moved by a message. Staying is saying, I am here no matter what happens. I'm going to help. I'm going to be a neighbor. I'm going to love my neighbor. Here's the problem in our world today. We hear a song and we're moved. We hear a song like Reckless Love and it's phenomenal and we'll spend our time crying out to the Lord but then we'll walk right back out of the doors and listen to another song and our emotions have completely changed. And here's what God says. I want you to stay in the presence of God. I want you to stay helping people. I want you to be in such a place in your life that no matter what happens that you're straying and you're meeting the disadvantage and you're meeting the troubled kid and you're slaying it. He says, but then I I want you to stay. Do you know the problem is with us Americans, us rich people? They can't get anybody to do anything anymore. We were in El Salvador this summer, and no teams are showing up, just a couple of teams. And, and I know there's some issues like gangs and Zika, and so I'm not against it. They just said, you know, Tara, no one's coming on the mission field anymore. They said, we try to get groups in and we try to get somebody to stay with us for two years or three years. We can't get anybody. 
They said they all come in for a week and they have a good experience when they go back to America and they forget about us. And they said the culture that's happening within the church is that we are, we're saying yes, but then we just don't back up what we have said. And so we're not staying anymore and helping. And, and I was in uh, the Philippines and there was this woman and she says, Tara, we can't get anybody to take over our ministry. She said orphanages all throughout our, our little island, they're shutting down. Kids are going back to the street because we can't get anybody from America to come and take over and we're aging out and I'm talking to a 70 year old woman who's trying her hardest to keep it going but she says no one wants to come anymore because it's all about how I look on the stage or what I'm doing and yet God is calling people to stay and to go to the hard places and to meet the needs of people and I'm telling you young people as we as rich believers have a call on our lives and our call is to go in those places and stray from what is normal and slay and be generous but then our call is to stay and I want to tell you there's a person in here that's you I got in a, an advantage this past year I adopted four kids from the Philippines it's a long story thank you And we were riding out to the Philippines, and uh, we, we flew, and um, Philippines are an interesting country. You can just sort of go pick up your kids and bring them right back home. We had Skyped with them. I have two uh, little girls and two uh, sort of growing uh, boys, and so we were, we were there, and I had a chance to meet the owner of the orphanage. I met the lady who's like started it all. Her father was an evangelist. And so this evangelist, uh, her father was just a go-getter, told a lot of people about Jesus, and they came to Jesus, they became disciples, but she saw all these kids on the street. As a young person, she was in college uh, in Minnesota, and, and she just saw these kids abandoned, like cracked out, all kinds of drugs in their system. And so she's sort of looking at that, and she says, Dad, I think I'm going to go back to this island. The island's name is Cebu. And so she went there. She, she left her college degree. Notice she had a college degree, so go get one. But she left that college degree, and she was walking throughout the Philippines, and she said, okay. And so she brought back her now husband, and she brought back two more people from the college. And so they're sitting there, and they just go rent a home in the middle of the Philippines in this island called Cebu, and they start pulling kids off the streets, kids that don't have a mom, kids that don't have a dad. And so they're just pulling these kids. Eventually, they have like 16, 17. 17, 18 little toddler kids walking around in diapers. They don't have any money, but they're just in Cebu in the early 70s. And so they're just sitting there, and she just stays there. She strays from what it was supposed to be. She begins to ask all of her American friends that are in Minnesota, hey, would you support this ministry? Would you do something for this? And so we arrive on Monday morning, me and my husband, to pick up our four kids, and, and we walk into a place 35, 40 years later, and they have had a school and they had like orphanage homes like brick houses like just amazing right in the middle of the slums of the Philippines this beautiful orphanage I mean she slated this lady did and so there and we're sitting there and we're going out and we're we're listening to the counselors and the teachers and I mean it was just an amazing experience on Wednesday 
She said, okay, Tara, she said, you're going to bring your kids home. She said, this is what you're going to do. You're just going to, you're going to take them home. And, and she said, but before you leave, she says, we have, um, we have a, a little farewell we want to do for you. And so I'm a good speaker and my husband's a pastor. And she said, and then we're going to want you to speak right after it. So I said, no problem. I said, we'll do that. And so she gets all of the orphans. At this time, they're 90 orphans, 90 orphan kids sitting in a home. They had just found two girls on the streets that they got ready as my girls were leaving and their beds were empty. They were going to have these two girls take the spot of my two girls. And she said, can we sing a song for you? And I said, sure. And I want you to check out what those kids sung to us in the Philippines. And so they sing, and they keep on going, and they say, God will take care of you. And I'm just crying, and I don't cry. And I remember just looking at those kids, and, how, and they're like, hey, do you want to say something? And I never in my life pass away an opportunity not to say something. And I said, no, I don't want to say anything. So my husband gets up, and he's just, just crying, and he just said, I just believe that God will send you some kind of mom or some kind of dad to take the place because you don't have one. And today I want to ask you a question, rich people of Elevate. Rich in the Lord, yes. But who's going to take care of those kids? Because the truth is, is Wednesday we got in a van and we put four kids in a van and we became a forever family. We've been sort of fleshing that out for about a year, a year and a half now. But there are 90 orphans back there that need a home. There are 90 orphans that need a place. They need people to help them so that they can get schooling. And there's 1.1 billion people without water. And there's 800 million people who didn't eat any food. And there's some significant problems in our world. And so here's what God is calling us to. Here's what he's saying. He's saying this to you young people. He's saying, you are going to have to stray. You're going to have to look at those people and say to them, yes, God will take care of you. And sometimes that is through me. Sometimes God will use a good Samaritan to show the love of God. Tonight you sang a song about the reckless, unending love of God. I love that song. I love how it leads you into the presence of God, how you're thinking about how God and his reckless love for you. But then I was thinking, I was, I was listening to the lyrics. It says this, every wall is going to fall down. I'm going to kick it down. Every lie you're going to tear up. It's the reckless love of God. And sometimes I think God will use you to help walls fall down in other people. And sometimes God will use you to bring those lies down that they're not worth it, that they're not valuable because they're the outcasts at school. Young people, you're looking at me and saying, Tara, but I'm 13. And like I've got five years of school left or four years or three years. What do you want me to do? See, life starts now for you. I would believe in your school 
whatever school you go to, there's someone that's thinking of suicide, just statistically. There's someone that's hurting and that is lost. So you're gonna have to stray from your table and walk to another table and say, okay, I'm gonna be your friend. And that might cost you something. That might cost you popularity. That might cost you your other friends. But I'm gonna tell you, if you wanna love your neighbor as yourself, you're gonna have to stray. See, then you maybe you're going to have to slay it. You're going to have to find someone and bless them. Maybe this Christmas season, like you and your family, find someone. I would say go overseas and find someone. Like support an orphanage somewhere where all they're getting is like a better piece of food on Christmas Day or a bigger plate of rice and say, hey, my family or my lighthouse or whatever it is that you're a part of, say, I'm going to be a part of helping, bringing love to my neighbor. You're just going to be accessible of maybe telling someone, I don't even want the gift this Christmas because I'm going to gift that over to somewhere else and somebody else. You're going to have to slay it. But then I'm going to say one more thing, young people. You're going to have to stay in the presence of God, yes. But you can't be motivated by one message, realizing, okay, yeah, I'm rich. Yeah, I got a lot of stuff. And maybe one day you give $1 to an offering somewhere about something. We have to be a generation that says, whatever it takes, God. So if you're calling me on the mission field to surrender, whatever it takes. God, if you're calling me to be a better example at my school or in my family, God, whatever it takes, I want to love my neighbor. For some of you, you just need to like quit picking on your brothers and sisters. That sounds strange, right? Like she just told me to quit doing that. But God would say to love your neighbor. Tonight, you need to stray from what you've done. Say, God, I want to slay it. But then, God, I want to stay. We need a group of young people that are coming behind us, that are committed to the cause of God that he has put in your heart, that he has put in your whole soul. And you say, no matter what it takes. I'm going to be that person. Would you bow your head, please, and close your eyes? You want God to tear down walls, break down lies? Sometimes he'll use you. Actually, more often than not, he wants to use you. You have such a unique position as young people to give the rest of your life and to surrender to the cause of Jesus. To be a lover of God, yes. To love God with all your heart and soul, mind and strength. Do that first. But on the flip end, say, okay, God, I have not been loving my neighbor like you've asked me to love your neighbor. Tonight, if that's you in the room, you'd say, well, Tara, can you pray for me? But you know, this is an intentional decision that you make. This is you walking out of those doors and saying, I'm going to talk to the person tonight that nobody else is talking to. I'm going to invite the person to eat out after that nobody else is eating out with. For some of you, that's an intentional mission trip and saying, I'm going to intentionally go to this place. For some of you, that's walking across racial barriers and economic barriers and saying, hey, I can hang out with you. I can't get to know you and your culture and lead you right back to Jesus. 
today, if that's you and you want to make a commitment to love your neighbor, would you just stand to your feet right where you are? You say, I, I just need to do this. I understand the call. I want to say it will be hard. But I would also want to say that it's worth it. You may want to walk away from this like five years later and ten years later, but God is saying, no, the call is simple. If, if God, if Christianity is anything, it's loving God and then loving people. I'd just like to pray over you. I pray the Lord would speak to you vision and purpose in your life, that you would realize that as you love your neighbor, you are fulfilling God's plan for you. God, I pray, God, for these young people that have stood up. God, I thank you for a heart that would be willing to listen. God, that would say yes to being a good Samaritan. God, that we would understand as people living in a blessed nation with things like just out of the wazoo, God, that we would understand that you have gifted with that to us to be a blessing to other people. God, that one day we will stand before you and we will be held accountable for what we have done with the things that you have gifted. And some of us, that's talent and some of that's ability and some of that is just stuff that we have, Lord God. I pray that we would just stray from the normal, Lord God, that we would take the walk of the Good Samaritan and say, yes, Lord. God, I, I just want to love my neighbor as I love myself. God, help us to be over-the-top generous. God, to give when it hurts, Lord God. And God, help us to stay. Because that's when we're most like you. You stayed with us. You took on humanity and lived with us. Help us to follow your example. God, help us to stay and to help and to be generous for the rest of our lives. God, no matter what, God, help us to follow you. God, we thank you. God, give us just dreams and visions on how to flesh this out in our life. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.